I'm Heather Morrison. On each show, guests share stories from their lives in theater, film, and TV. So grab your tights and tap shoes and meet the geeks in the green room. Here is the second half of our interview with James Grayleyan. Then you went from Les Mis to... I took a, I took a little bit off. I uh, did a few shows with um, North Carolina Theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I went out and kind of subbed out somebody who got, re- who got let go from a really terrible tour of a really terrible musical called uh, Steel Pier. Oh, yes, I know was, the show. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I, I recently met somebody who like did it on Broadway, like did the original Broadway run. I was like, I really? did sound on the, on the terrible tour. And it was a terrible tour. It was like oh. high school gymnasium kind of thing. It was just awful. It was, um, yeah. I might have even seen it. I think oh, I it has two good songs I'm in so it. I'm so sorry. It does. And there were actually a few good parts, but it was yeah. what I would describe it as um what was the movie they 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 also shoot horses, don't they? Yeah. Uh which was about the it's dance show, marathons right? meets the twilight oh. zone. It was it was kind of somewhere in like the middle huh. of it. Huh. I never thought it was just, twilight zone. Oh, there's so the I whole dance that. competition, right? They have to dance yeah. like it's a that's the horror part, right? Well, the horror part the 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 other part is that there's, you know, the guy who is like her partner is a ghost. And so it's like, who wrote this? What's going on here? I think I read, I found my production script for it recently. And I was like, oh my God, I'm keeping this around just to remember that I actually did that one day. It's it's to keep Um, you from wanting to do a show like that again. You should always listen to the soundtrack before you. It was a good experience in that bad experience thing. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, I wound up doing, uh, I did Annie Get Your Gun for the last 10 weeks of the tour. Um, we had a, the tour had a four week layoff, um, where they didn't have any shows. So everybody went home for four weeks and then there were 10 weeks left and they had two weeks off between the second to last and last week. That's so weird. A bunch of people. Well, yeah. And every, a lot of people got new jobs. So at all at once we replaced the, the head, the head sound guy. I became the head sound guy. It was my first time being head on a tour. Um, the assistant lighting person, uh, both of the props people, what a hair person moved up and a new hair person moved in. Uh, one of the wardrobe people, uh, moved up and two new wardrobe people came in for replacements and three principal cast members and one and a third of the ensemble cast all changed at once. And they had, and we had one week to get everybody ready. Normally the overlap is for, crew is like two weeks. Um, and we only had, we had one week where before everybody pretty much left. Um, the upside was our Annie was changing, but it was Reba McIntyre's understudy on Broadway. So, so that was helpful. And, uh, our, um, our lead actor was, um, uh, uh, why, why, why do I know? (sighs) I'm terrible at names. So it's amazing. It's, it's not that every, every day, Tom Wopat. Tom Wopat of uh, Dukes of Hazard. Oh, okay. Yeah, that he had a musical career, and so he was, and he was our he was our lead male. Um, a little into it, we actually wound up for three weeks. We had Rex Smith as our lead male, and mm-hmm. uh, Crystal Bernard, who was the lead actress on Wings, uh, as she was going to be taking over for Reba McIntyre on Broadway, and so she hmm. was in kind of training with us, and she'd never done a Broadway musical. So we had this whole turmoil of all this oh changeover God. all at once. Oh, that's so, that sounds frightening. 
Yeah, and it all happened at the the theater that we played was the Mechanic Theater in Baltimore, which is just a terrible theater. It's now gone. It's it was condemned and then torn down. Um, so it's uh, it was it was just a heck of a thing to do that that fast of a changeover. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, it sounds like a sinking ship is what it sounds yeah. like. <laughs> well, you know, it was the nice thing was like everybody pretty much got along. Everybody liked each other. Oh, that's good. Um, and my assistant on that uh, the A two. Um, she was phenomenal and you know, she, she really helped make, make my time easier. Cause like I said, it was my first time being the head on a tour. And the only reason that they made me head rather than her was because it was her first tour, but she was, she was talented. She's very good. She'd be, she would head it up tours later. Um, she's, um, I think she was mostly doing Broadway right now, wow. uh, when Broadway comes back. So, you know, having somebody as your, you know, as your, as your right hand person, um, that can really can really save your bacon, uh, which also you know, considering my previous failure at first with Lame is, and you know, morphing into that role, uh, kind of showed it to me. Yeah. yeah. Later on, uh, when I was doing Lion King, um, you know, I said the word assistant, but my boss on Lion King, whenever he'd introduce me, because he was the head, I was the I was the assistant. He was the A one, I was the A two. He never introduced me as an assistant. He introduced me as his associate. And I always thought that was a really, that was really cool, but also kind of, you know, said, Hey, this guy's with me. He's not behind me. He's mm-hmm. not below me. And I've always tried to take that attitude with the people I work with, you know, or who work with me when they, when I'm in charge that day. Mm-hmm. Cause in theater, you never know today you're in charge tomorrow. Somebody else is, you know, or, you know, if you're working, if you're not working regularly, regularly in a position, yeah. You know, you might be doing a different gig tomorrow or next week and you're not in charge, but last week you were. So, mm-hmm. you know, in, in that, in that treat others, like you want to be treated, you know, it is, it really is what comes around, goes around. Yeah. Very true. It's kind of classy of them to call you an associate, but you know, you do re- oh, great. You rely yeah. on each other so heavily that you don't want to, you don't want to, I don't want, it's not burn bridges, but you know, you need each other. So. You yeah. do. And, and yeah, when you're, when you're always around each other like that, I mean, there will be tensions at times. Yeah. Um, you know, and I've worked for people that I didn't care much for, and I'm sure I've been the person that people didn't care much for when I've worked, when they worked no. with me. No. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> but you know, I, I was talking to somebody about it, um, uh, not that long ago, they were kind of new, uh, to touring and they were, they had a, a new assistant, a uh, new A2 and they were like, you know, they're not very experienced. How, how have you seen us working together and all of that? And we were talking about it. And one of the things that I kind of blurted out that I didn't realize at the time until I said it was, you know, I learned how to do the job from bosses that I didn't like, but I learned the art of the job from bosses that I did. Oh. So, you know, and, and, uh, and as soon as I said, it, I was like, Oh, I guess that's true. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, that's <laughs> wise. That yeah, that's wise. Just kind of came out. But it was it was it was so true because you know it's it it is a business and it is a job and we have things to do and we have these ideals. Like you said, mm-hmm. you know, you have this idea of what being a Broadway star is, but there's all those things that you just never know what it's gonna be like. I think I think it's yeah. like that with almost any any position, you know, there's, there's what you think it is and there's what you what it really, what it is. really is. Yeah, you know. I was lucky because I when I went out I didn't even know what it was supposed to be. So I didn't really have those expectations. I, I had no idea what touring with a Broadway musical was supposed to look like. So mm-hmm. uh, I was a little more blank slate and some of that was to my detriment. Some of it was good. So. Nobody's mm-hmm. told you that you can't do it. And so 
you're doing it before somebody says you shouldn't have been able to do that, you know, or yeah. you're not doing that great of a job. I'm like, well, I'm doing it. <laughs> you know, at least I'm doing it. You're just talking about it. I've had, I've had a few of those moments on tour. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Where it's like, I've never done this before, but here we go. <laughs> it needs to be done. You just got to suck up those nerves and find out as fast as you can how to do something. And right. That know. old adage of the show must go on. Yes. You know, and some of those, sometimes that's, you know, sometimes that's used in ways that are not great, you know, yeah. that used to keep people down and the like, but mm -hmm. at the same time also, you know, when, when there's a couple thousand people and they're ready for the show to start, you know, it's time to start the show. Yeah. So, Somebody's got to go yeah. on. We, um, we were doing a gypsy and we lost power. There was like a, like a big storm going on. And mm. so we waited, we waited to see whether our power would come back on and uh, it didn't for quite a while. And, but we had like, you know, a, we had 99 people sitting in a, uh, you know, a little, little, little theater. And so somebody like, well, let's do a flashlight. So we, <laughs> we didn't do any of the action. It became a radio play. Right. And it was actually like really fun. Like the audience got really into it. It was definitely kind of like that. Let's put on a show in our backyard kind of feeling. And then the lights came on, unfortunately. <laughs> 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 yeah, we had we had something recently not, i think it was just like a year or two ago with uh with the ballet in our theater we had uh we had a power outage and the emergency lights didn't kick on you know right away i think it took like five or ten minutes for them to kick on mm. and the problem we actually couldn't continue because without the emergency lights you couldn't get an audience out you know, you couldn't, so for safety reasons, we actually had to shut down and, you know, you couldn't do the flashlight. Thing, oh, no, so. no, no. Ballet in a way, you're, with pits? Yeah. No, no. Or, or you know, 2,200 people. Yeah, yeah. No. So in a way, you're lucky that you, that scale, it was that scale rather than, you know, the scale I'm talking about. Right, so. right. No, no, that, that sounds like a very potentially dangerous situation, but. Yeah. But once you've started the show, you know, there's a lot more forgiveness for things happening. If you're like, yeah, we had a, we had a half, I think we were a half an hour late coming up one night, one time in Los Angeles. I can't remember exactly why, mm -hmm. but the audience started to chant, start the show, start the show. Oh, and this was, no. this was like 99, 1999. And, uh, and they were like, okay, here we go. We got, we got to start or there's going to be a riot, you know? So, but you know, once you start, you know, if there's a problem, people are pretty forgiving because it's a story then. Otherwise, right. it's just you're waiting around. Right, right. It's true. Uh, so you were working in town in March? Well, I was doing any Get Your Gun on the Road for okay. a while. Uh -huh. And then um, I think I came I came home. I was uh, home for like uh, nine months. And uh, Lion King came through town too. We actually did the production here. So uh, that means putting it together for the first time. And that was the tour of it. So it already been on Broadway for I think four or five years. Um, and uh, Disney did their, did their tour production uh, at the Buell theater here. And I worked it as a local, uh, as a local person. And I started out in sound for, I think for all of load in and then um, the sound jobs kind of went away, and I moved over to lighting. I did uh, the spotlight. I did. I was one of the spotlights over the stage. Oh. And uh, when it was time for it to leave, the head the head sound guy was like, "Look, I, we need a vacation cover person. Can you come be our vacation cover person?" I said, "Yeah, you know, I, I all I was doing was working at home, so why not?" Mm -hmm. And the uh, head lighting person said, "Hey." Um, can you jump on a tour real fast as soon as this is done and do 10 weeks of blues clues live? <laughs> the kid's show. 
Now you laugh, but it was, you know, and I was like, sure, why not? You know, and it actually was. And, uh, you know, and then right after, right after Lion King left, they announced the second tour of it and the A2, the set, the assistant sound person on, on Lion King, the first tour became the head of the second tour. So there was an opening and they said, Hey, James, come, come work with us. Um, the nice thing was that the guy who I worked for, uh, this guy, Greg Bryant, who was my boss, um, he was on Les Mis, uh, previously. And, uh, so he knew that, I, you know, okay, I know this guy can mix cause he was on Les Mis. He understood, you know, we understood each other. And, um, there was, you know, there were a few opportunities to shine a bit, uh, when it was in production, you know, a few opportunities with whether it was lighting stuff or other sound gear they brought in or whatnot that I could that I kind of showed, yeah, I know what I'm doing. And mm-hmm. so that really helped. Uh, I didn't know that there was going to be that opportunity. And uh, I think that's the thing with, with theaters and especially stagehands and people coming up, they have no idea where that next opportunity is going to come from. And it doesn't mean that you have to be on all the time, but an opportunity may not look the way that you thought it was going to, or mm-hmm. you may wind up being that person that, you know what, I really like them, but I can't recommend them because of these other things or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, doesn't mean you have to like shape yourself and be a certain way all the time or in business mode all the time. But there are often opportunities that come up that people don't even realize were there. And I'm sure I've blown a few in my past. And also, you know, I've gotten a few that just fell into my lap, like Lion King that I had no idea was there. Mm-hmm. It makes total you know, sense. If, people want to work with yeah. people they like. And especially yeah. people they've worked with. I mean, that's why I think getting your first gig is often, you know, kind of your hardest, mm-hmm. hardest gig to get. Yeah. I had no idea Les Mis was coming when it came. I had no, I, I didn't, I, I wasn't thinking of, I've got to go to, uh, I've got to shine so I can get on Lion King. No, right. it, just, it just happened, right. you know, and, and, uh, we, we loaded out Lion King. It took 24 hours to load it out because it was the first time ever loading it out. And then like, I think I went home, packed a bag, flew to LA the next day and started blues clues the day after that. So and then it was 10 weeks of Blue's Clues, uh, which, you know, was four trucks. It was really small. And I was like the most experienced touring person there. Uh, hmm. A lot of lot of younger people doing it. And I, you know, I mean, I, I, I say younger people. I think I was 30, 31. But, you know, everybody was in their early 20s. Um, almost nobody had toured before. And wow. so it was really a nice opportunity to just kind of relax a bit, you know, do a low-pressure job. Um, it wasn't the highest tech gear, but it was great gear. Mm. It did the job. Um, the only note that I had about mixing like the, that the designer said was make sure that the kids can hear it over their own screaming because there's, <laughs> oh, they're all going to be crazy. <laughs> so if you want a low pressure gig, go tour with a kid's show. I mean, really, it was just so low pressure. It was great. I had a, the guy who I worked for, uh, or worked with mm. Ryan, he was my A2, uh, just a phenomenally nice guy, um, you know, big beard, big long hair, nicest guy. And the guy who had who I took over for, he wasn't always the nicest guy. So I again another opportunity where I came in and was just a nice person and made it a lot easier for me. Yeah, that's so funny. <laughs> yeah. So does that mean that the sound was like phenomenally loud? I didn't try for it to be phenomenally loud because I was out there too. But you're, you're pretty aware of, you know, all right, this is when the kids are going to be yelling because they're excited because of blue and <laughs> we need to turn it up for a little bit now. Now we're going to pull it back a little. More, oh, okay. You know? 
And it was like, you know, there was no band. It was all, the music was all playback and sound effects and stuff. And there, I think there were like 12 mics and on, on actors and, That's not uh, very many. you know, no. And then, you know, I think, I, I think that blue was mic'd, but I can't remember offhand. It's been, you know, 15 years more <laughs> longer since, since then. So, uh. you know. There's nothing, there's no music that got stuck in my head from that one. Oh. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. For a while there with Hamilton, I was, I would like go to sleep. And I'm like, no, I don't want to listen to the rap battle. <laughs> I don't want to listen yeah. to burn. I mean, it's so funny because I don't know all the words, but somehow they play perfectly in my head <laughs> <laughs> or at least patches of it does. So. Rap some for us. No, <laughs> no absolutely not. White girl. Rapping, no, be bad. So, do you, have you ever done any sound design? Sound designers get Tonys, right? Oh yeah, I, they didn't for a long time. I think that it was kind of on and off. Um, mm-hmm. Sound design is really hard to when it to is really hard in that regard because it's such a live uh, craft being a sound engineer. Mm-hmm. So, you're if you're a sound designer you have a lot of parameters and you, you, you come up with the gear and do the tuning of the system and designing a lot of the aspects of that, but you're really living and dying behind that person who's behind the console. Yeah. Um, if the person who's mixing it, your a one isn't doing a good job, then it doesn't matter what you designed. It's going to be bad. Um, if hmm. your a two isn't doing their job backstage, making sure the microphones are in the right place, the gear is working that the things that need to be taken care of are being taken care of, your design is going to fall apart. Um, Mm -hmm. With a lot of the other things, there's a lot of automation to it or computers to it. Lighting is almost entirely, uh, is almost entirely run on computerized consoles um, except for spotlights, which can be, you know, sometimes minimal or uh, Lion King was very heavy on spotlight. And I actually ran spotlight for five and a half years on Lion King on tour. Hmm. Um, so it's a, a, it's a different craft, you know, but, um, so, so sound design is kind of hard with that. Um, if you have a show like, what was it? The, uh, the curious incident of the dog in the nighttime mm-hmm. has so many sounds and so much sound design for effects and the like, and that's something that's a little, little, I, I don't know, harder to screw up for somebody because there is a lot of computerized effects and, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, if you're doing a bad job mixing the show uh, and that's the night that your Tony reviewers come through or whatever, then yeah, it's kind of hard. And on tour, it's also very different because you're taking this show that worked in a 1,500, 1,100 seat Broadway show theater, mm-hmm. and you're having to adapt it to 150 different theaters across the nation of various sizes and scales. Mm-hmm. Um you're designing the show around the smallest place that you're going to go. And the fact that it needs to fit into a semi with, uh, with all these other things and happen in this flow. Cause when you set up a show, um, there's, it's not a universal thing, but the way that the trucks are packed are very similar show to show to show, because you want them to unload in the order that things are going to go up and pack in the order that, you know, in the reverse order. So the, the first, the last thing on is the first thing that you need in the next city. Um, if you're playing Hershey, Pennsylvania, uh, with your show, chances are your show is going to be about two to three feet off center, uh, because stage right is where the fly rail is. And it is so close to the edge of the proscenium that your show chances are, is not going to fit squarely in the space. You have to move off center. Um, and then 
you're going to play the Fox Theater in Atlanta, which is 4,500 seats and immensely wide. And you have to design for all of those things. And so wow. as a sound designer, you have, you have different challenges sometimes uh, than you do as a lighting designer uh, or, as a, or as a set designer. Um, I honestly believe that there's just two, uh, there's two kind of crafts in stagecraft backstage. There's only two and it's, you touch the actors or you don't touch the actors. Uh, and, and your job is completely different depending if you are in, uh, hair wardrobe and sound, you touch the actors, you know, you're dealing with microphone, you know, you, you're going to have a lot of interaction in lighting you can never know when somebody's coming or going until you see them on stage. Uh, same with sets props is a little kind of in the middle, but the, the, the job I've been on both sides of that and the job completely changes how it seems, how it feels and how it, how it behaves depending on which side of that you're on. So yeah, that's, that was kind of a long winded thing, but no, that's really, (laughs) that's really interesting. I'd never, I've never thought of it like that, but yeah, it's, it's, it's so when I first say that to somebody, they're like, huh, are you insane? No, and then, they, and then I explain it to them. They're like, it's a little bit of a sell, but I feel like it, I, you know, being on both sides of that. Cause I did, uh, I did three years on, on uh, Lion King is sound. And then I left, uh, and I think I was gone for about a year, year and a half. I subbed in a little bit on lighting and then I came back and did five and a half years as a spotlight, um, a spotlight operator and caller. So, uh, it's, so I, I was kind of on both sides and we would have, you know, if, if a new, when I was in sound and a new cast member came in, I'd meet them almost immediately because I'm going to be getting a microphone for them. I'm going to be dealing with interacting with them directly. And in lighting, it was like, Oh, did you hear that this person left? What? Oh, did you hear that this person that, Oh, this is our new person. And I wouldn't even meet them for like a month. It was, it was very different. That is really, yeah, that's weird. Word. That's weird. It's true. It's like that, like in a job. You, you know, if you're mm-hmm. doing reception and then you go get a job as a, you know, doing coordinator work or something in an office, it's like working for a completely different organization. The snacks are different, kind of. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm guessing. I like that. The snacks are different. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you're near the C-suite, as they called it, you know, your snacks are better. This is true. <laughs> this is true. That's that you could almost say the same thing about the about the size of a tour. Uh, the, the treats are better on uh, on bigger tours. Uh, yeah. For the most part, that makes for sense. The most part. Better hotel room, uh, better opportunity for them. But you know, <laughs> uh, you're still paying out your uh, out yourself. But what yeah. you know, with Lion, with uh, with Lion King, we would often find like an apartment for a month. You know, a, yeah. a furnished apartment, and then you know, Airbnb kind of made that a little easier. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so it was it was definitely there were definitely housing upgrades and that kind of thing is. That's that's real quality of life stuff. I mean, if you're oh, yeah. on a tour and you're playing, you know, some small town in the middle of nowhere and the best you've got is a best Western, you better hope it's a nice best Western. I mean, I, I will never stay in a Days Inn again. I, I hope you're not sponsored by them. But uh, my experience with the, with Days Inns has been to the point where like, yeah, oh, the one in Schenectady was terrible. You know, in Atlanta, I think that they changed to a different a different company, bought the one that was down by the Fox Theater. But the one that was by the Fox Theater was the last straw for, for Days Ends for me. Never again. So I can imagine you storming the, the office. Listen, buddy. Listen. <laughs> I put my life's blood and sweat into this job. Listen, I'm not going to I'm not going to lie. I had a few I had a few moments. <laughs> I've had a few moments. 
I can understand. I, I, I try to find out if there's construction nearby that's going to start at 7 a.m. Oh, God. <laughs> construction. <laughs> dogs. I stayed at the noisiest, crappiest hotel in New York. Yeah. If you want to know what the hotels are, you ask a flight attendant. They know mm-hmm. where to stay. Yeah. Or ask a roadie. Or, yeah, or they'll, ask they'll, a roadie. Because yeah. they can tell you the ones you can live out of. See? The problems are like, have you ever, I don't know if you've ever been to like um, those, like a bachelorette party where people get a hotel room and they all have a great time or anything. Uh, but if you're the person who's, you know, if you're the roadie and you're in that same hotel, ooh, those, oh. those, those, or, or the volleyball con- uh, contest is in town, the volleyball oh, tournament, no. and you're in the same hotel as the high school, or, you know, maybe there's a, maybe there's a little musical theater competition amongst high schoolers <laughs> and they're all staying in your hotel You're like, shut and up, you I'm got a show in the morning <laughs> and they're running around banging the doors open and shut. Yep. <laughs> that's, that's, yep. that's just the worst. And even earplugs won't like do it all, you know, the oh, mask and the uh, earplugs yeah. don't. <laughs> can't be that. You can't have too much because then you won't hear your five alarms go off. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. It sounds, sounds like a little bit of hell. Um, and when the pandemic happened and that kind of work shut down most of the theater, what does that mean for your industry? So my last job was uh, as head of audio at the opera house here in Denver. And I've had that, I had that job for three years and uh, we were all, it's it, the venues there are city venues. The Denver center for the performing arts is run by the city uh, arts and venues. And so all we were doing was kind of watching what was going to happen. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we were hearing all kinds of things. And just like everybody, there's uh, good information, bad information, speculation. We didn't know what was going to happen. Um, and then I think it was like an hour before the end of the day, uh, we had a meeting. And they said, hey, the mayor shut everything down. So we're done. And, you know, go home. Uh, you're, and so we were all furloughed. And then about a month later, uh, we were, we were laid off, laid off. And, uh, we just don't know. Um, we keep an, uh, you know, keep it, we keep an eye on everything. And yeah, we, there's still contracts with, uh, you know, with people in these theaters. Uh, so, but even Broadway doesn't know. Broadway says, uh, they're going to start back up. Uh, currently it looks like May of 2021. And until Broadway shows are actually moving and out there, we don't, we don't know what's going to happen. Uh, the ballet had to cancel Nutcracker. Nutcracker mm-hmm. is the biggest moneymaker for just about any ballet anywhere. They, they do Nutcracker to make the money so that they can make the, so they have the money to make the art after that. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And if they're shutting down that Avenue, you know that there's a problem. Yeah. Um, so we're all in standby mode. We have no idea what's going to happen. So it's been, you know, since Mar- end of March that, uh, you know, I've been out of work and figuring out what, what the next thing is. And mm-hmm. uh, the other problem, uh, you know, is, is what's it going to look like when it comes back? What is theater going to look like? What is working in theater is going to look like? What is, what is working with the person next to you going to look like? Um, it is really hard to socially distance load in. How do, how do we do that? Yeah. Um, how are theater companies and theaters going to pay for things like more safety measures? Um, how are you going to do a load in of 15 trucks of stuff in a day and a half when you're trying to keep things distant? Um, 
And I think that there's a lot of hope and a lot of speculation that we're going to see a vaccine or see, you know, things like that. Part of the problem is that everybody was saying, you know, we'll just do socially distant shows, you know, or, or if we were doing a socially distant nutcracker, um, that would mean, you know, for the audience, that would mean a quarter of the audience. If a, if a theater production can't sell at least 70% of their seats, they can't make it. End of story. You know, at 25%, it would just be simply a slow death. Um, and, and if you're on the road with a show, you know, you're in this state, they have these regulations, you're in this state, they have those regulations. And anybody who can say, oh, we're doing this safely. We just had, we're currently in a, in a spike right now in Colorado. Mm. Um, what does safely mean? Uh, who says what safely means? We don't know. And so we're all kind of waiting to see what happens. It's really, it's really difficult. It's, it's aggravating. Um, All the projects that we were looking at at the, at the theater, they're not going to happen now because, you know, any upgrades or anything, because there hasn't been revenue for a long time to pay for those things. Um, Even with the fallback of being a city venue, uh, you can't just take, you know, Arts venues always have that balance between we're a business and we're an arts organization. Mm-hmm. And, but there's no way that you can just say, Oh, we're going to, we're going to spend all that money that hasn't been coming in for so long. I was curious, are your skills transferable to film? Um, because there's some of that starting up, there's some filming going on or, um, right, or yeah. editing. Has it, have you thought about, I've been thinking a lot about what, you know, I mean, I've had eight months to figure out or think about what's going on. Um, I would always, I, I used to, I, I have had, uh, I have a podcast, uh, I've had for about 12 years. Um, I've had a few blogs, you know, and so I would think to myself, oh, well, I'll learn how to code. And it turns out I hate coding. So that's, (laughs) yeah, I've, I've tried several times to learn how to code and I just, uh, I've, uh, so, so I've tried things outside of that. It's, and I, and it just hasn't been the thing I'm, I'm yeah. and it's not to bad mouth coding. I mean, it's great. No. There are people who love it. Hey, awesome. You know, I'm, I'm jealous, <laughs> right. but right. yeah, not for me. Yeah. So I've been, I, I've been doing a lot of thinking about that and just trying to figure that out. Um, the, there are, I think it was just last week that, uh, Disney parks had a big layoff of, uh, performers, uh, for live shows and the like. And I know that there were a lot of other people with that ESPN just had a layoff. That means there's a lot of people in my industry that Mm. are looking for work or, and so unless I have that resume, it's going to be really easy to say no to, you know, Mm. to, uh, you know, he's a theater guy. So, but I've got all these other film people here that need the work and they, I know they can do it. Um, I think I have a lot of skills that are different, that that are that are applicable to a lot of those things, but at the same time, there's a lot of people that are in that realm that are that are looking for something, and mm-hmm. they're going to get it first, and that's okay. You know, I understand that. It's just it's so it's a little difficult. You know, yeah. I mean, I you saw my resume. Yeah. How how would I go to, you know, a business and say hire me uh, effectively? You know, that's there's just not a lot of. Um, there, 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 it's just hard. It would be hard for somebody to justify saying, we're going to take a chance on this guy who's worked in musical theater, toured with Broadway shows, but you know, 
I think that I think that they would make a really good salesperson. <laughs> you know, I mean, what do you do? You probably would. Well, actually, I have to sell those skills is the problem, and nobody yeah. has time for that anymore, which is fine. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of things that I understand about the working world yeah. of that is outside of what I've done. Yeah. And the thing is, I've been doing this for a long time. I've been an employee for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I there are a lot of parts I liked about being an employee. You know, a lot of you know, in my world. If you are, don't have a regular job, you go from gig to gig to gig. And I would do that sometimes, but I'd always find my way into a regular job because mm. I like the stability. Mm-hmm. I like working on things that I cared about or projects that you could invest in and things like that. Mm-hmm. So it's hard. It's a little hard for me to suddenly say, okay, I'm freelancing now or, okay, I've got to shift these gears. You know, there's a lot of freelancers in our in our business, mm-hmm. if I wanted to be a freelancer as like an audiovisual tech or whatnot, I've, I've had ample opportunity to go that route. Mm-hmm. And I never did because I had jobs, I had things that I liked, and I, I didn't want to go that route. Right. Now we're, you know, we have to see. Now your yeah. hand is being forced. Yeah, a bit. You know, we're, I mean, the, the, when the theater comes back, uh, I can have my old job back, which is great. Right. Um, you know, I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know what the, you know, what's going to happen. Uh, I don't know when that's going to be. So mm-hmm. uh, there is a little bit of survival mode. Yeah. And I think that part of the pro, one of the things with, um, with stagehands and the like, we're very used to being in the background. You don't see us. If there's a review that mentions the sound, that means that there was a problem with the sound. You know, right. I mean, oh, the sound was too loud. It was terrible. We had problems, blah, blah, blah. Nobody ever says, wow, it sounded really appropriate. Right, right. No. (laughs) (laughs) That's when you're doing your job right is when they don't. Exactly. So it's kind of, it's kind of hard to like, it's, it's hard. It's not, it's, it's not super hard on our side, but the people, like when you hear about the arts and the arts are suffering and the arts are hurting, who are you hearing it about? You're hearing about the cast. You're hearing about the actors, the directors, the people that you see all the time. There's a whole industry that people don't even know about. Designers, costume designers, wardrobe people, you know, there's, there's a, there's a person who does the laundry 40 hours a week on a show, you know, like especially something like a Lion King or if the broad on Broadway, the dry cleaners, who have to, who specially take care of costumes because mm-hmm. it's a, such a different thing. All of that work has gone away. And there's so much that people don't hear about. And there's so many people that are either trying to pivot or trying to find something new or just trying to hang on until something comes back enough. Yeah. Um, we had a commercial suit here in Colorado not that long ago. And, you know, that's, there was only so much work on that. And then there's all the COVID stuff. So you have to, go through all those protocols and does that work? And there's, there's, there's a whole lot. Bah, boo. <laughs> it is, it's a, it's a struggle for a lot of people. And I think it's a yeah. struggle for a lot of people that people don't realize. Yeah. There yeah. were, what was it? What were they saying on, uh, in New York, Broadway brings in more money and, em, and employs more people and provides more livings for people than all of the New York area sports teams combined. Really? Yeah. Yes. But that makes sense, right? Because the tourists come to New York often mm-hmm. ex- exclusively to see Broadway, to see their first. I saw my first Broadway show two years ago, which is crazy because I should have saw one when I was 10. But and it was <laughs> Matilda, of all things, <laughs> which was actually a really good show. But yeah, okay. I, it makes sense to me that that Broadway is, is the uh, is the thing that brings in the income. 
Oh, it's huge. Yeah. Yeah. And, and all those people, like all those, uh, another example of things that people, probably people don't realize when you see a Broadway show, the vast majority of the Broadway shows rent all of their equipment, uh, other than the things that are custom like sets, uh, if it's the sound system, the lighting stuff, all of that, even though that it's been designed for that show, all those pieces and parts are coming from a rental house in New York. Um, so all of those people who work in those rental houses, repairing all that gear, renting out all that gear, putting together those things, you know, there's, there's a, the, the automation systems, there's a, there are shops that are dedicated to automation systems for these shows. So when you see, you know, the rock and lion King drive out that came from Hudson, that's a, that's a shop in New York and mm-hmm. there are people out of work because of that or towers by Tate who make all the, all the trussing or, you know, all those things. Um, so many components of wow. the Broadway, you know, that, that spider out, um, the costume shops, the prop warehouses and shops, uh, the truck drivers, you know, there's a, uh, uh, Clark is the trucking company that a lot of these, uh, places use, uh, because they guarantee, they, they guarantee getting the show there on time. And, uh, all those truck drivers who work for Clark, I hope they're driving other things, but mm-hmm. you know, that's a, that's a whole part of the industry that is shut down. That spiders out that people just don't realize is there. They don't, they don't realize it's a little bit like that in film too, as you're you think of the most visible mm-hmm. people who are acting or directors, like you said, mm-hmm. it's mind boggling how many people contribute to making theater. Oh yeah. And it's, it's funny. Cause like uh, it takes, I think Lion King was about 110 people on, on tour. And that that's just is a cast? still, no, that's cast crew and everything. Oh, that's, oh. that's everybody. So okay. I think it was probably cast was close to 60. Yeah, about 60, I think. But there's all those other people that, that we would pick up along the way in the local cities. And they're, you know, they would work for us for four weeks or, you know, they right. work for us a little bit and something else for a little bit and something else for a little bit. And all those something else's are gone. You know, it's, this is, there, there are people all throughout the country that do this. And they, you know, for some of them, for in some places, it's kind of more the, the second job. And for some of us, it's all you do. It's right. your income. And, wow. uh, and that's that it's, it's gone right now. So I feel, I mean, I feel terrible for, uh, for actors and the like, but it used to be that things were a little bit flipped that the crew was the, was kind of the most stable thing. You know, you have to audition and you have to be picked for this and you have to do that. And when you have, you know, I mean, I'm not the greatest sound person in the world. I'm not, you know, I'm not a hundred percent the best ever no way um but i've had a lot of stability because of my skills and my level of my skills and i didn't have to go audition for things i didn't have to you know go do another job i could do stuff within my craft still mm-hmm. just in different ways yeah um and now that's completely flipped you know actors who have had to go wait tables probably have more versatile skills than i do to go do these things. That's something to like think about. Left behind. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I'm not saying poor me or anything, no, but no, you know, it I is, know. it's just the way of the world right now. Yeah. I feel lucky in many ways because I'm in a better position in, than a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't right now. I, I don't have a, I don't have debt. You know, I can't imagine people who have a car payment, a house payment, a this payment, a that payment to deal with right now. It's just, I feel terrible for people in that, in those positions. Yeah. Um, but there is just this whole other world that, you know, 
you can you can stream everything that you want, but it doesn't pay for the next job from somebody in these crafts. Yeah. So. Wow. I guess that was kind of my little soapbox of think about, you know, think about the other people out there, but, or, you know, maybe just the people just don't realize that, that all of those things are there are so many people, you know, that, yeah. that there's all those behind the scenes people. And no matter where you go, if you go to, to uh, Las Vegas, even if you don't see a show, there's all the, the backstage people who make all those things work and make all those things happen. And how many of them are working right now? How many of them are doing, those things. And you can say, well, go get another job. I mean, yeah, that would, that would be great. <laughs> you know, I, I would, you know, but what, what, what am I, what am I going to get a job doing? Right. You know, and after 30 years of doing audio and stuff like that, again, not saying poor me, not saying I'm you right, know, right. in a terrible reality. thing or yeah. yeah, it's just, it's very different. It's true. I get the glass door or, or whatever email, you know, and I get like a bunch of alerts. Hey, you'd be good for this. And I look at like, them. Good, like, no, I wouldn't. Why did you think that? No. <laughs> or yeah. Or, or, or the things I put applications in for and, you know, Oh, we had, I've had a couple of interviews for some different podcasting jobs, you know, or podcast oh. editing and the like, uh, and almost every single one has been like, so we've gotten like a hundred different applications and, you know, you made the next cut, but why you? Why should I even be talking to you? I'd be like, why you not me? The... I'm fantastic. Right. <laughs> well, <laughs> I know, know you don't like, say that, but. But, but, uh, but I might as well. I mean, it's, it's, you have it's, to make it's yourself it stand gets as far out. as anything else. <laughs> Some of the things that you were telling me about, you can definitely bring to the table, you know, you're a fast learner, you work with people and it isn't just terms. You're not just saying I'm a team player. Like I'm a team player. I worked in theater, you know? Uh, yeah. I worked with teams, but yeah, I, I think there's, you know, but there's also a lot of competition out there for those jobs. And the funny thing is like now uh, there was because of what I do or did uh, depending on how things go, of course um, there wasn't a lot of competition for what I did. Um, I, you know, I, I, I always said I have very odd, unique, high level skills. Mm -hmm. You know, my, my high level skills are mixing orchestras and Broadway musicals. You know, there's not a lot of call for that, but, and so therefore there aren't that many people who do it. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, so I could get those jobs pretty easily with the skill set and the resume and all of that that I have. Mm -hmm. That's all changed because that's a lot of that's gone away yeah. or, or it's pivoted. And so I have to figure out how to pivot with it. Yeah. So it's kind of that, that career 2.0. Do I want to, you know, am I building career 2.0? Am I making something new? Am I trying something different? Am I, uh, am I trying something different until the old thing comes back? And it's hard to say, you know, I would have never thought that, a that, uh, the runaway to join the circus, uh, career in theater would be so stable as it was, because it really was very stable for me. It's been great. Yeah. And, uh, right now, mm, Hard to say. Like so many people. Yeah. Yeah. It's not just me. So, I mean, I do, yeah. I, I'm glad, I'm glad it's not just me. I'm sad. It's not just me all at the same time. Right. You know, where a lot of us are in this together. I'm really hoping that we can pull it together. Yeah. I think, I think that theater will, the theater has been around a lot longer than just about, than any producer that's been, that's yeah. out there right now. Yeah. There's a, there's all those great things about theater. I just read, I didn't realize this about uh, Shakespeare's A Winter Tale has the greatest stage uh, stage direction ever. Uh, exit chased by a bear, <laughs> you know. <laughs> 
That's theater. That's great. I got to work that into something I write next. (laughs) (laughs) It might be pursued by a bear. (laughs) No, no. I I like whatever, as long as it's bear and there's an action verb and yeah. (laughs) I thought you were going to say exit. Oh, exit stage right. Oh, stage right, right, right. Yeah. We're just living in such strange, strange times. We're living in strange times and we're trying to make it all work. And it's, you know, and, and unfortunately, it's just not. <laughs> so yeah. we're, we just have to, you know, we have to try and make it better. And one of the nice things about Broadway or about theater is that even though sometimes it doesn't feel like it, it is a community and there's so many people out there in this community. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that they can pull together. I think the theater has kind of gone away from the community as it's become more of a bigger business. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the theater, I think Broadway especially has changed over the last, I don't know, 15, 20 years as uh, producers names come off of shows and companies go on to shows. Yeah. Like Sony know? or something like that. Like you, right. you need these big budgets. Mm hmm to make things like Miss Saigon, which I never saw live, mm. but apparently there's like a, a helicopter in it, you know? Yeah. There's a helicopter crash. I, I know one of the guys who built that helicopter Wow. Uh, for Broadway and for the tours That's and crazy. yeah, it's, it's big production, but even then, like it was uh, Cameron McIntosh was the present, was the promoter right. and the presenter on that. He was kind of the guy that started all these giant. He was, he was the guy who, who produced them. Yeah. yeah. And the, uh, him and uh, he, and of course, Andrew Lloyd Webber yeah. he wrote them. When I did Annie Get Your Gun, it was uh, Nina Lana Associates. Now it's companies like Aurora Productions or Troika or Networks or, mm-hmm. you know, all these companies. And I think that people thought that they could really, that they could make a dollar. Um, yeah. And so some of the community of theater has been squeezed out of it a bit from that. Yeah. But also that, you know, because there are so many different levels of theater, there's community theater, there's local productions, there's small theater companies. It takes almost nothing. You need a, you need four walls, a ceiling and some seats, and you can start a theater company if you're, you know, if you're willing to pay the price of, of not having a big budget or not having, yeah. you know, a ton of promo or whatnot, you can do it, yeah. you know? And, and, and in fact, you're probably better off with your writing because you can write something mm-hmm. on a budget. Uh, you can write something that uh, that has those constraints, and that that still exists in so many ways, mm-hmm. and that's where the real theater community is. You know, or the sorry, that's not true. That I mis said that. That's where the real community of theater is. Mm-hmm. You know, there is the Broadway, but you know, the nationwide, there's all these people that do these things, that do these shows, that you know, come together and make these interesting, interesting pieces of art mm-hmm. and that's where the community hopefully will pull itself together and and go yeah it's going to be interesting what happens i mean you're you're right it, theater's been around like the greeks you know they basically invented mm-hmm. it and they didn't have a ceiling they had an amphitheater <laughs> you know they had they didn't have light bulbs they had they had you know sticks of fire, fire. <laughs> you had fire and, and you had daylight and togas mm-hmm. and uh, greek chorus you know that, that was pretty much it a good a good smoke and mirrors effect for in theater can be just as effective as all the automation in the world. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we were. I don't know if you know the uh, the magician uh, who's no longer with us, uh, Ricky J. Um, don't if you don't know his work, he worked with David Mamet a bunch. Oh. Uh, David Mamet directed his uh, stage shows, like I think it was uh, uh, Ricky J. Has fifty two assistants. Um, he's he, he can 
throw a uh, playing card into a uh, watermelon, uh, the outside rind. Yes. Really? Uh, you can go down a, an amazing YouTube uh, spiral with him and it's phenomenal. Wow. The guy is an absolute amazing artist. He passed away a few years ago, hmm. but when you watch him and the theatricality of it, and it's just him, you know, working on a craft, doing amazing things. And you watch him and you're just like, Oh my God. And, and just such a performer, mm -hmm. an absolute amazing, absolutely amazing performer. And when you see him, you're like, Oh, this is what you can do with so little. Yeah. You know, what that guy could do with a, with a, he would have you in the palm of his hands with a deck of cards and a story. And that's, you can't get that. Necess you know, you can have, you can have Hamilton, you know, yeah. but you can also have this other thing that's just as amazing, but just in a different way. And maybe that's where theater will, you know, come back from something as pared down as a man and, yeah. a, and a deck of carts. I think that, I think it's going to have to, I think that, yeah. uh, you know, everybody's getting a little tired of seeing their screens and everybody's a little tired yeah. of everything feeling like zoom and want to be together. But at the same time, that that interesting, intimate, personal thing uh, that you can have, whether it's with the actors on stage mm -hmm. or that person telling that story, you know, the, the, those are the places where I think that we're really going to thrive mm -hmm. uh, because you can do those things and you don't need a gigantic budget and you don't need massive scale. Yeah, so. I agree. I think it's true. It is true. I think people are a little... They're a little tired of those, of the big budget, you know, the big budget musicals and the very expensive ticket prices. I mean, my ticket for Hamilton was 200 but I heard that some of the ticket prices on Broadway were like $1,200 or something like that. Oh, yeah. And, you know, there's a reason that it costs that, you know, that, that they cost $200 oh, or whatnot. Right, right. Um, but uh, at the same time, you know... Uh, I mean, you're you're definitely getting something that's different, you know, and probably better than your high school play. Oh, absolutely. Um, but at the same time, the fun of going and seeing a high school play can be right there, too. I mean, that's know, why I love community theater. That's why I like to go. You, you know, I, even community theater, I remember somebody raising their prices and I'm like, what? Your ticket prices are $20? And I, at the time, I mean, you're like, that's outrageous. Community theater should cost like $10. Or twelve dollars, mm -hmm. but you know what? They still they have to pay for royalties, and sometimes they rent they rent costumes, you know, and they because nobody gets paid. Well, actually, that's not true. Some people get a little pay, like usually they pay the mm -hmm. directors a little something, depending on the size of the house, right, and how community community right. is. Yeah, there's it's the same way with uh, community radio. I mean, people there's always volunteers mm -hmm. in community radio. The people on the air are generally volunteers. Yeah, but you got to pay somebody to keep the lights on. Right, so. right. It's pretty funny to think of a, a ticket at twenty two dollars being outrageous, and yet I paid two hundred for Hamilton. Hamilton that was worth it though, and I really lucked out. There was two seats in front of me that they did not show up. Nice. I'm sure. So when that happens, I'm like yep. <laughs> so happy because I always have the struggle of the head. Bob thing. Yeah. So when Hamilton came to Denver, people would ask me, did you, oh, are you going to sneak in? Cause you know, I'm working in the theater right next to him. I'm like, no, I'm busy with no. my job. Well, aside from that, it's just, hey, well, that's how you get fired. You, oh. <laughs> you sneak into the, into the show and, you know, with it, with nobody knowing and, oh, Hey, look, there's James. Yeah. He's not supposed to be here. <laughs> 
James, are you working Hamilton? If not, you need to leave now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's, I would always get that thing. And I, I would implore people, uh, you know, it seems like a lot of fun to say, Hey, got any free tickets for me for your show? It's like the tickets cost money. They, yeah. most, most places don't want to give out free tickets. Uh, I had somebody ask me when, when we were renting a place, uh, an apart or yeah, we were renting an apartment from somebody in, uh, in one of the cities that Lion King was in and they're like, Oh, you work for Lion King. Can we have uh, free tickets? I was like, Hey, can we have free rent? And they were like, Oh, Oh, <laughs> Oh, right. Okay. never mind. No. <laughs> well, but you know, it's not, it's not, comp- I mean, we used to get comps. We didn't get that many. They were limited. Yeah. Well, there's very few comps for people these days. It's yeah. it's uh, the if you are getting a comp for a uh, Broadway style show, a Broadway tour, or whatnot, that yeah. means it's not selling well at all. Oh yeah, that's and, not good. Yeah, so you know, just just so you know, and everybody of course has other things to do other than put in for a ticket request and deal with that. And you know, it's not right. on Lion King, for instance. There we didn't get comps. It was we had house seats available, and if you wanted. You know, if you had friends or family that wanted to come see the show, mm-hmm. they could buy house seats and they were good seats, you know, but so what's a house seat, a house seat is usually something that's been held, uh, is held for the company. So, okay. um, it can depend on show to show. Like ours were usually around, uh, halfway to two thirds of the way back in the house, which is actually where you want to sit for Lion King because you want to see the whole thing, yeah. not just right up close Yeah, and usually closer to cost. So a Lion King middle of the house seat would often be uh, like $85, oh, that's um, good. which is pretty good. Yeah. But other shows then will do kind of a sliding scale. So if they're in a city where they could sell that seat for $200, then that house seat is probably closer to 150 to 200 That makes you sense. You know, just, yeah. You can sell it. Why would they let it go for free? Exactly. You know, ticket pricing for shows, it's for anything that's entertainment value. Anything that is ticket is what the market will bear. Right. And some will ride that line a lot harder and some will will not, just depending. Yeah. But, uh, you know, if you're giving that many tickets back, you know, it, then chances are you might have a few financial problems down the road. Right. So, right. Yeah. <laughs> Theater's expensive and there's a lot of people it's, to pay. And it's a business. And, yeah, it's a business. And, you know, I used to have a boss that uh, would say, you know, it's not called show fun. Right. It's show business. Right. And, 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 you know, I always, I took the tack of it's show business, but once you take care of the business, have some fun. Yeah. You know, that, that was how I felt about it. Yeah. But he was right. It is a business and, uh, you know, you have to justify expenses and you can't, you're, you're not going, nobody's getting a loan to put on a show. Right. You know, that's, that, that would just, that's a bad, that's a bad loan. So <laughs> that's, that's a risk. That's a, that's a risky loan. Yeah. So. If you actually had comps, they'd go to mom and dad or your brother or sister. <laughs> you know, they're not going to some person you're renting a room from from Airbnb. Right. <laughs> you know? They're not going to the dentist. That's it's that simple. Right. Sorry. Did your dentist give you dental work for free? No. <laughs> but no. Well, cool. Well, thank you for sh- I had no idea. You just peeled back so much about theater. I had no idea. This is why it's so much fun to have different talented people come and and talk about what they do well i wouldn't say i'm talented i'd say i'm just of a different talent than <laughs> of a different talent you know <laughs> a different i have a different gig and therefore a different perspective you know the thing is there's a lot more but it's all you know i mean there's a lot of anecdotes there's a lot of but there's a lot of aspects to the whole theater industry that most people don't know about and we like to keep it that way because 
it's supposed to be smoke and mirrors. It's supposed to be something that you don't understand. There's supposed to be mystery behind it. I could tell you all the tricks and, you know, behind what we do and you go and, and, but would it make it better? (laughs) You know, uh, would it actually make it funner to sit in the audience and see, uh, maybe it, it might seem like, Oh yeah, it's now I understand why those tickets are so much higher and I have a certain appreciation Hmm. for, for these parts. But at the same time, you know, there, there should be some mystery. There should be some fun. You know, I, I, the nice thing about my career is that it, the, is that still fun? You know, there's, there's been a lot of parts of the industry, um, that have been called on the carpet that are not so great. Um, you know, through the me too movement, uh, which always frustrated me because, uh, it's always been there and people knew it, you know, there, that, um, there, there was always the old casting couch joke and things like that. And yeah. it was there for, there was a, it was there for a reason. Yeah. It was there because it existed well before and, you know, that there was silence and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm getting a little far afield. I'm sorry. But, That's okay. Uh, there's just so there, there is a lot um, surrounding the business and all of that, that, that is less than savory, but also a lot that I still love about it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I love the craft and, and there's so much, there's so much craft that goes into it that you just don't see. And it's fun to be able to, you know, to show that to people. Mm-hmm. I always forget when um, like somebody wants to go backstage and you're like, okay, so this is backstage. And they're like, oh my God, this is so amazing. And I'm like, this is where I work, <laughs> you know, uh, that, I, that piece of, yeah, that, that piece of gear over there broke mid show and I had to go beat it with a hammer or, you know, or, or, you know, there were, boy, these problems that I had, you know, and, and, it, and it is, a, you know, it's a job, but also it can be just a, a fascinating, interesting job. Okay. Here's a question for you. So did you actually perform at all? I didn't, you know, I, the closest I ever came to performing was, uh, when Lion King was in Chicago the actors set up uh, some classes with uh, Second City, some improv classes. And I always loved uh, Whose Line Is It Anyway. And so I was the only crew person that went. And then uh, I went to like two weeks of it. Um, sometimes the schedule didn't work out or whatever, but I, I really, I had a great time. And then the I think it was the next city was Toronto and there's a second city there. And we did the same thing and I went more than any actor did. So, but I never, I never actually performed it. So I, I'm, I have no jealousy of the people on stage whatsoever. None whatsoever. They, they found their calling and I found mine. And that's, that's just great. That's good enough for me. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking the time. James Grayley. Thanks. Thanks for, thanks for listening to me blather on. It was great. <laughs> Oh, I learned so much and you're so entertaining. Thank you so much. It's been really fun to have you here. This concludes my two-part interview with James Graylian. Thanks as always for listening. You've also been listening to Scott Joplin's The Strenuous Life from 1902, generously provided here by Ragnar Helsbong's wonderful website, ragsrag.com. Share the love by giving us an awesome review and rating on Apple Podcasts. And please pass the show around to your friends and family. And remember to subscribe here wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. I'm your host, Heather Morrison. See you next time on Geeks in the Green Room. Geeks in the Green Room.